Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's update regarding the Alberta wildfires. We will begin with an update from Bree Hutchinson from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency and Christy Tucker from Alberta Wildfire, and then we'll take your questions. Over to you, Bree. Thank you, and good afternoon, everyone. Though there has been some positive news in terms of rain, the wildfire situation remains serious, and it's important for all Albertans to remain vigilant, especially those who live in areas that remain under evacuation alert. Alberta is starting to see some cooler temperatures and scattered precipitation, helping to provide some relief to firefighters. We are hoping the weather continues to assist in the fight against these wildfires. Alberta continues to be under a provincial state of emergency, and the Provincial Emergency Coordination Center remains at a level four. There are currently 22 states of local emergency, five band council resolutions, and an estimated 10,655 Albertans evacuated at this time. There are 11 reception centers open for affected areas, and the total number of evacuation orders now stands at 15. As we continue working to get the fire danger under control, I want to thank those who have been evacuated for their continued patience and understanding. We're working hard to make sure conditions are safe for evacuees to return home. It's also critical people continue to avoid any activities that might start new fires or make the current situation worse. We know Albertans who have been evacuated are eager to return home and rumors may be swirling, but it's very important to listen to instructions from local officials and wait for their official word. So please stay informed by paying attention to trusted and verified information sources. Find news sources and authority figures you know are reliable. Follow your local authority social media, download the Alberta Emergency Alert app, and follow the advice and information provided. Telephone town halls for evacuees are continuing this week and will be held tonight, Thursday, and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. The town halls bring together wildfire and emergency management leaders and officials from across government to answer your questions. To learn more about these calls or to listen online, visit alberta.ca slash emergency. I would also like to take this opportunity to remind those on evacuation alert to make sure you are prepared to leave your home quickly. A few simple actions like gathering medications and fueling up vehicles can make evacuation process easier. There is a detailed list on alberta.ca slash be prepared that outlines all the steps Albertans should take to be prepared in case of evacuation. Also, I would like to remind all evacuated Albertans to register at their nearest reception center or online at emergencyregistration.alberta.ca. Registering helps ensure you receive the latest updates and information as quickly as possible. It's also essential for registering for emergency financial assistance. For everyone who is evacuated, please know that supports are available. We have processed more than 14,200 applications and sent out more than $25 million in e-transfers and debit cards to evacuees. A reminder that debit cards are available for evacuees who are unable to receive an e-transfer at 15 Alberta Supports locations, which all have extended hours, and at the Calgary Evacuation Centre. Those with questions on these supports can visit alberta.ca slash emergency or call 310-4455. Lastly, I want to remind Albertans to stay inside when the air quality index is poor. Alberta continues to experience very poor air quality in many areas of the province, with an air quality index of 10 plus in some communities. This means that strenuous activities outdoors should be avoided and ideally rescheduled until the air quality improves. Alberta Health Services has excellent information at albertahealthservices.ca regarding air quality information 
and how to best protect one's health. And anyone who needs to travel, whether because of evacuations or for other reasons, should check 511 for information on road conditions and closures and be cautious in areas where visibility is poor. Please stay safe and continue to follow updates on the wildfire situation across the province and do your part to reduce fire risk. Pay attention to fire bans and reduce any activities that could unintentionally start wildfires, such as the use of off-highway vehicles. Your efforts in following directions from local officials and first responders have been key to our ability to respond to this wildfire emergency. I will now invite Christy to provide an update on behalf of Alberta Wildfire. Thank you, Bree. <clears throat> there are 71 wildfires in the forest protection area of Alberta. 20 of those are out of control. So far this year, we've responded to 520 wildfires, burning more than 1,017,000 hectares. Today, we've seen a continuation of the showers that started in the province yesterday and the lower fire behavior that resulted from that. Many of the major wildfires burning received some rain, which means these are good days for firefighters to make real progress on containing these fires. Due to the hard work of firefighters, along with the weather, we have been able to reclassify the Sturgeon Lake complex near Sturgeon Lake Cree Nation and Valley View from out of control to being held. That means that the fire is not expected to grow beyond the established boundaries under the current conditions. There are 1,123 firefighters from across Canada and the United States assisting nearly 1,700 from Alberta wildfire on these fires. We're working closely with the municipal fire departments who are also protecting their own communities. Even though we have made headway on many wildfires on the landscape, we know that the season is far from over. We need to be prepared. We're continuing to bring in assistance from outside the province, including a team from Parks Canada arriving today and 96 firefighters from the US arriving tomorrow. Towards the end of the week, we're expecting additional help from New Zealand and Australia. We will continue to prioritize those wildfires where communities are still at risk and we'll focus our resources to those areas that are still out there waiting for rain. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> um, thank you, Christy. Uh, there's no reporters in the room, so we'll go to the phone lines first. Uh, just a reminder for anyone on the line to press star one to hop into the queue. Operator, can you please put through the first caller? Yes, first caller is Katarina Schultz. CBC. Hi, I'm just wondering if uh, wildfire modeling has been used uh, for these fires and if it's played a role in the firefighting efforts. Uh, we use a variety of tools uh, as far as, as strategies to, to fight fires and looking at the fire situation across the entire province. Uh, we have uh, fire behavior experts who are constantly working uh, with a variety of tools at their disposal, including modeling, uh, as well as uh, expectations on uh, weather and uh, exactly what the fuel conditions are in various parts of the province, because these all have, have a large uh, influence on what, how a fire behaves. So yes, certainly that it, there are a lot of tools that, um, that our people are working with in order to be able to predict 
what a wildfire will do as much as uh, it's possible with the information that's available and how to prepare ourselves appropriately. Do you have a follow-up question? Yeah, and then just in terms of particularly um, the modeling and the satellites, does, do these uh, tools help limit destruction in any way? If we are able to, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, when you are dealing with the elements, uh, there, there are always things that cannot be predicted exactly uh, how they're going to play out. We have a lot of experts who have a great deal of knowledge and experience working on modeling, and we use that, all of that uh, knowledge and experience to the full extent. But certainly, we, there are some times when uh, things move very quickly, when you have sudden wind changes, when you have gusting winds that can be uh, less predictable. And we can prepare as much as possible with the information that's available to us, and we do use that information to position resources where we expect we're going to need them. When we know that the wind is going to change, we have to take that into account with the way we fight the fires. And certainly we do use that extensively just as part of our regular firefighting duties across the province. All right, operator, could you please put through the next caller? Robert Tuttle-Bloomberg. Um, yes, hi, good evening. Um, first question is, um, you'd uh, mentioned people, um, help from Australia and New Zealand. Do you mean firefighters or do you mean resources? Um, uh, if it's firefighters, how many are coming? Um, I don't have the exact number that are coming. I know we uh, are expecting um, several uh, groups. They are firefighters coming from both New Zealand and Australia. Uh, we have uh, used this agreement that we have in place with New Zealand and Australia in the past. We've sent firefighters over to Australia when they had a particularly destructive wildfire season. And this is an agreement that we, we use um, on occasion, as we do with agreements, mutual agreement, aid agreements that we have in place with other agencies across Canada and the United States, we have individual agreements with other countries as well. And the reason we do a lot of work on establishing these agreements is that we know that we have uh, similar training, a similar way to communicate, and we, they will fight fire to the standards that we expect here in Alberta. So it is something that we have used before in the past, and it is, uh, it's good to have a resource there that's available to us with the difference in our seasons between uh, the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. Do you have a follow-up question, Robert? Yes. Um, yeah, I think earlier did mention that these fires could be going on for months and months uh, does that mean that Albertans should expect very poor air quality throughout the summer? I mean, is that something we, we're going to see, like, off and on, bad air? Um, or will this be, uh, will you be able to bring these into con uh, enough under control that that, that, can, that won't be the problem? Uh, it generally is only in extremely active situations that will, you will see enough smoke that the majority of the province will notice smoke in the air as we saw this weekend. Uh, we have a number of very large scale uh, wildfires and uh, together uh, the number burning has produced smoke that, that people have certainly affected uh, people in the province over the last weekend. As fire behavior decreases, so does the smoke, uh, but we often uh, see 
uh, fire smoke in the air, that can travel from miles and miles away. Uh, looking at a website like firesmoke.ca will tell people exactly where the smoke in the air is coming from, and, and that's a good tool to help prepare people uh, for where exactly knowing what the fire situation is and and where that uh, smoke is coming from but no certainly with less fire less active fires once we are able to bring more of the wildfires um, to a being held status or under control eventually you will see less fire behavior and there should be less smoke thanks operator could you please put through the next caller I'm sorry, Hi everyone, uh, I have a question on the numbers. So you mentioned 1,017,000 hectares uh, burned this year. Is that an all-time record? That's certainly the most we've seen in springtime in Alberta on record. Uh, we do have uh, one larger number for the entire fire season, and uh, fire season ends at the end of October. So for this time of year, yes, this is an extraordinary year. We have not seen numbers like this in Alberta uh, on record, and uh, it is something that we is certainly illustrating what we've been saying about the unusual nature of this fire season. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, that's so you said there is one other season the whole year that, that's been worse. Can you tell me which one it was? And just to clarify, can you, uh, the, num the number of hectares you mentioned, is that just inside the forest, forest protection area, or does it, does, it, does it include the national parks? The numbers on our record are the forest protection area of Alberta. But I would like to say that the numbers can change. Uh, certainly, many of the aircraft in the forest areas have uh, not been able to fly as frequently as they would normally over the past weekend because of smoke. And flying over a fire helps uh, firefighters give an accurate assessment of the size. So this size number may fluctuate. Uh, also, at the end of the year, when they're able to get a really accurate read of a, a fire perimeter and uh, the part inside the perimeter that's unburned, you may see the size adjusted then as well. Um, but the, uh, the other year in question that you asked about was, uh, I believe, 1984, when the record was 1.3 million hectares that was burned over an entire fire season. All right. Operator, could you please put through the next caller? Alana Smith, Global Mail. Hey, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, my question is also for Christy. Uh, following up on my colleagues, I know you're saying this is uh, obviously a record-breaking spring wildfire season with over 1 million hectares burned. Can you just put that into context of past fire, fire seasons for me? And then obviously, uh, I know you're talking about the spring season, but the overall season, how is this um, kind of cracking compared to the others? Yeah, well, I, I remember looking at the numbers uh, a few days ago, and I was looking at where we were at this time last year. And you can see these numbers on our website. If you go to the wildfire status page, those are available on the website. So it may have been updated uh, slightly since a few days ago since I looked, but we had been at uh, 450,000 hectares. No, just 450, 450 hectares total by this time, and we are now 
reach, but just passing uh, a million. So certainly a significant difference over last year. Uh, the average is, is more than that because it takes in uh, some larger fire seasons that we've had. But looking back at some of the total season numbers, uh, the last highest we have uh, on recent record was 2019, which was 883,000. And that was, a, that was a significant wildfire year. You may remember the Chuckeg Creek wildfire near a high level area. That was a significant uh, fire and a number of other large complexes. But still, we have surpassed that total from 2019 for the entire season already. Do you have a follow-up question, Elena? I do, thanks. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit earlier. You were saying, you know, there's been some lower fire behavior that's resulted from, you know, rain we've had in these past few days, a bit cooler temperatures. Can you just take me through kind of the efforts over the weekend and kind of what the, what the focus was from firefighters and how they were able to curb some of those um, really serious fires like Sturgeon Lake? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, w one of the uh, downsides of the smoke uh, was that it was less possible for us to fly over um, a number of the wildfires, but we were able to make significant progress fighting fires on the ground. And so what that means is uh, building fire guards around to protect communities, and that is using heavy equipment or bulldozers to clear vegetation that would be used by a fire to draw it closer to a community. And we reinforce those fire guards that we are building by doing a various number of things such as um, um, burning off uh, in a very controlled way uh, some of the additional smaller fuels that could be used. So we're widening that fire break uh, to make it harder for the fire, uh, a longer place for it to reach if it was going to go towards the community. And they've been working with municipal firefighters and they do work on installing sprinklers uh, in areas where they're uh, afraid that the fire could uh, come close to a community. So being able to work in tandem with all of the people who are fighting fire uh, and, and use that sort of collective effort to help create uh, stronger breaks uh, for the fire and to, to, to go in there and do some of the work behind the head of the fire. Um, I've talked about um, mopping up and the, and the work that that's involved and that's some of the work that our, our fire tech crews and military assistants are helping us with. And that's going through behind the head of the fire and turning over hotspots, making sure that those are out. And that's all incredibly important work as far as reinforcing guards around communities and putting the fire out eventually. All right, operator, could you please put through the next caller? Jeremy Thompson, CGD. Hi there. Uh, just a couple of questions for you about the uh, the fire up by Fox Creek. Um, I just I know that that one is is like particularly large, <laughs> um, and so you know, d despite the rain uh, this weekend, I'm wondering what sort of challenges come with with fighting such an enormous uh, just section of land that's that's burning. Yeah, Large-scale fires do present um, a, a large logistical challenge. I mean, certainly you have a lot of area to cover. Um, uh, you do would have uh, priority areas, which are, of course, the, the areas that uh, show the most... Uh, potential for reaching a community or uh, we do have uh, firefighters that of course 
focus on creating fire breaks and as much as they can uh, skirting the uh, around the outside of a fire of that size. But it is uh, a priority fire. The, the Fox Creek fire is still technically classified as out of control, but I know they have been working very hard on, on uh, building dozer guards and they're containing what I've been talking about is uh, small-scale burnout operations, which again is just removing some of the fuel and helping to reinforce that guard uh, near the community. So uh, it is a large operation, and of course we've already seen how roads can be affected and how we need to work with uh, other um, other agencies within the government of Alberta as well as the municipality as well. And uh, there is a lot of work going on. We do have the military assisting on that fire as well, and then it does help to have a significant number of people who are able to work on that mop-up uh, when you have a, a large-scale fire. To have uh, the possibility of a uh, hundred troops working on that is certainly assistance to the firefighters who are able to fight on other priority areas of the fire. Do you have a follow-up question? Yeah, and just, uh, you know, you say there's about 10,000 uh, or so people still evacuated from their homes here. Um, I understand it's, a, it's about 1,800, 2,000 folks from Fox Creek that are, that are evacuated, mostly in White Court. Um, and, and so fair to say, I guess, maybe that, that that's sort of one of the larger groups that are still evacuated from their homes. So I'm just wondering, like, they're, they're obviously, they've been out for a long time. They're seeing this rain, this this cooler weekend. I guess they're, they're probably getting pretty antsy uh, to get back home. I guess what, what what's the message to to folks who are still, you know, despite the better weather, still out of their out of their uh, out of their homes? Yeah, it's, it's it's easy to understand people's frustration. It does feel like some of these fires have been going for a long time, particularly for those who have been displaced from their home. So, so it's it's certainly understandable that people are antsy and want to get back home. Uh, but fighting fire is, is not something that will change overnight, particularly when you're dealing with a large-scale fire like this one. Uh, what we can do is fight uh, the fire to the best of our ability, work at bringing that fire to uh, a status where the community itself feels that they can advise uh, residents that it's safe to go home, and we give them the best information we possibly can to be able to make that decision safely. All right, and that concludes today's media availability. Uh, please note a media situation report will be distributed later today, and we'll be back at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.